Now, Father, we love you and we adore you and we bless your name. Amen. And these words I want you to hear. And God spoke all of these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, from the New King James Version. We began today where God begins with himself. And that's our top priority, God, our top priority. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. What do you say? Most of you would say yes to God. Yes, I believe in him. So we look at this first commandment. These three verses only. There are three parts of it. And the first two parts are the basis for the third part. The third part hinges upon the first two. God's claim who he is, God's care what he does, God's command what he wants. In other words, this is who, who I am to you, this is what I've done for you, therefore, based on this, this is what I want from you. And that's what I want to look at just a little bit today. God's claim, God's care, and God's command. God's claim, God's care, and God's command. These three verses, we, we look at God's claim. This is, this is who I am to you. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. That is a bold declaration. I am the Lord your God. God is staking his claim by using his name. His name, you remember just four letters in Hebrew. The tetragrammaton, unpronounceable. The name must mean I am that I am, the self-existent one. I am the Lord your God. Nobody invented me. This is who I am, who I was and who I always will be. And it's interesting to me how this text began in this list of commandments. It is not 
you must believe in God. Thus, thou shalt not be an atheist. The text does not say that because it assumes that the people who, uh, who aren't fools would already know that there is a God because somewhere the text says a fool as a fool says in his her heart. There's no philosophical argumentation here. There's no explanation, just a bold declaration. I am the Lord your God. Our priority, our God. I am the Lord your God. No, no argumentation, no explanation, just a bold declaration. Now I see people make up stuff all the time. Trying to find their own revelation, they're trying to make it up. <laughs> Rather than learning from God through God's revelation, because once you push aside God's revelation of who God is, you're only left with one thing, that's your imagination. You got to make it up. And when you make it up, it creates a vacuum. There's so many different ideas about God here, but, but, but really the Bible gives us the answer because people suppress, people push aside the revelation that God gives. And the book of Romans chapter one uh, is, a, is devoted particularly to this subject. That is mankind is pushing away from the revelation that God gave of himself ever since the creation of the world. So he says, this is who I am am to you. The first part of the commandment, God said, here's my claim. I am the Lord, your God. And second, we see God's care. God, first we see God's claim. Second, we see God's care. God says that not only this, not only is who I am to you, this is what I am, this is what I have done for you. Not only am I this, but this is what I have done for you. Same verse, look what it said, who bought you out of the land of Egypt. This is what sets Israel apart from every other nation in the world at that time because all nations that was around Israel, none of them could say like Israel said, I have been redeemed from bondage. Like Israel was the only one could say, they could say we went through the wilderness, we experienced the Passover of shedding the shedding of blood. Uh, he opened up the Red Sea as we marched through the wilderness, the protection he gave us in the wilderness the deliverance to a brand new land and that redemption will set the stage. Actually, for the first two commandments, as you look at the 10, Israel have been in the land. And of course, none of the others would have experienced what they did. Paraphrase it, I could say, 
three months, you guys, you were slaves. You were beaten, you were mistreated, you were in bondage. But I opened up the Red Sea for you. I bought water out of a rock for you. I took man out of heaven and gave it to you. I protected you from your enemies in the desert. Did Osiris do this? The God of the Nile? Did Hetkar, the God of the frog goddess of Egypt? You ever got any help? I am the Lord who delivered. And when you look at the calendar, that calendar, everything they done resolved around their redemption. And for us, life began at redemption. You may think it's weird if you hear a 40-year-old, a 45-year-old say, I'm two years old today. But when you understand, I'm two years old in the Lord. Two years ago, I received Christ. I had new birth, new life, and I am redeemed. So everything, life centers around for them and us through redemption. Second Corinthians says it well, if anyone, any man, any woman is in Christ, they are a new creation. So who God was to them, the Lord their God, what God done for them, delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. <laughs> when God will do that, it made this God valuable. It made this God worthy of praise. It made this God uh, to be honored. It made this God to be adored, to make this God to be obeyed. And all of life depends on him, who he is and what he has done in our lives flows from that. Question, what has God done for you lately? And if you don't know, maybe you need to make some mental notes what God has delivered you from. Because we need to always be in touch with that. We need to always be in touch to what God has done for us, where God has brought us from, how God has delivered us, how God has saved us. And then we start with the command. God's claim, who he is, God's care, what he does, God's command, <laughs> what he wants. God's claim, who he is, God's care, what he does, God's command, what he wants. That third verse there says this, you shall have no other gods before me. You could say besides me. Short to the point, punchy, 
Short, to the point. You shall have no other gods before me. <laughs> very practical. God is very practical. You notice something, even if you read the rest of the commands, that they're always short to the point. God is always practical. God says there are no, 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 no rivals to who I am. God says I stand alone. I am not the one among many gods. No one else is to be worshipped. No angel, no people, dead or alive, are to be worshipped. No object is to be worshipped. God singularly wants to be praised and worshipped. Why? Because nobody can match him. He said, you shall have no other God. Before me. <laughs> now there are some reasons God gave this command. I can't give them all. I give a few. There are some reasons God gave this command. First of all, historically, we see why God gave this commandment because God's people, the Jews, there is only one God. He's it. He has redeemed them, but the people are going to be in a land filled with other people groups who don't agree with their theology. And so let me give you one of the isms. One of them is polytheism. Many gods, they came from a polytheistic culture. That's what Egypt was. Now they're going to Canaan, a polytheistic culture. They had a pantheon of gods moon god, river god, sun god, fire god, ocean god, etc. And the verse says, you can have no other gods before me. Well, somebody may ask, is God insecure? What God insecure? No other gods. Before me? Are you saying you don't want any competition? Not that God is insecure. The reason God says this is because God is secure. Because he knows that there are no other gods, that they don't exist, they are not real. Somebody made them up. God wants no rival and there's no rival to God so the verse says you shall have no other gods before me I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage you shall have no other gods not because God is insecure because God is secure because he already knows there are no rivals to me. But uh, here's the point. The only true and living God wants exclusively to be worshiped. The one and true only God wants exclusively to be honored. The one and true only God exclusively wants to be adored and to be obeyed. 
the other gods was contrived, projecting themselves to something else. One of my favorite writers, Francis Schaeffer, has read a lot of great books. And he said this, he said, the ancient, the ancient cultures, they tried to build their society upon their God, but these gods were not big enough because they were finite, they were limited. Even all their gods put together was not infinite. These gods were simply amplified humanity, not deity. God says, I want exclusive rights to you because I'm the only one that's real. I'm the only one that's true. First, we looked at it historically. Let me just say a little word, pragmatically, practically. The second reason God gave his commandment is that God knew that nothing else would satisfy their hearts except worshiping him. That's what it's like. Have you ever called a number and you dialed and some little voice picked up and said, the number you dial is disconnected or is no longer in service. That's what you get for a God who's not real. Disconnected service. <laughs> Can't get through. Can't get an answer. So the question is, how far have you surrendered your life to the control of this God? I go to church. Oh, really? That's, oh, ha, ha. How have you surrendered your life to his control? Personally, practically, pragmatically, and then personally. In fact, David says it, David says it, David says it very well in Psalms 115, verses seven through, I mean, verses five through seven, David says, David says something like this. Say, they have mouths, but they do not speak. They have ears, but they do not see. They have eyes, well, they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They have a nose, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. They have feet, but they do not walk. Personally, where are you? God claims who he is. God care what he does. God commands what he wants. You have no other God. God before me. Hmm. 
Interesting. Claims, care, command. Claims, care, command. Claims, care, command. Claims, care, I know it's repetitive. Claims, care, commands. God claims who he is. God care what he does. God commands what he wants. So personally, when, when, uh, I know you, you already surrendered. I would hope. But if not, when are you going to do it? Personally, what, what, what time? I was just so long. When people tell her that they're going to do something, she said, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? You going to do it today? You gonna do it tomorrow? When you gonna do it? Because her, when you say things, it is a matter of you being accountable for what you said yourself. God claims who he is, God cares what he does, God commands what he wants. God knew that nothing else would satisfy their hearts except there worshiping him. Uh, there was an atheist. He was addressing a crowd and he was very bold and very strong. And at the end of his message, he said, if there's anybody here that would like to challenge me, let him come to the platform right now. And of course, after a moment of silence, awkward silence, one man got up and walked forward and sit next to <laughs> the platform. He said nothing. He just sat there, put his hand in his pocket, pulled out an orange. Front of the platform, orange. He started peeling it in front of everybody and the speaker, the atheist. In fact, he felt awkward at this point. Where's your proof? And the guy said nothing. He just kept on peeling the orange. And when he finished peeling the orange, he started to eat it. Segment by segment. And he said to the atheist, tell me, the orange that I just ate, was it good? Did you taste it? And the atheist said, how would I know? I didn't eat it. And the man smiled and said, 
exactly right. That's what I found out about Jesus. I have tasted what he offered. <laughs> I have tasted what he offered you. You haven't. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's good. And it's satisfied. Father, we love you, we adore you, we magnify you, we give grace to your name. You are our God, we love you. You are the God who speaks before the beginning began. You are our God, we love you, we honor you. We accept the claim for who you, who you are. You claim for who you are. We care by what you do. And we do want to follow your commands. Because you are the God who brought us out of our own discomforts through your redemption. And that's good. And we love you. Dismiss us from the sanctity of this place, but never from your presence. Walk with us when we leave this place, and we'll be careful to honor you, worship you, adore you, and be obedient to your word. In that name, all the people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.